ESPN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Some green on the screen happening today on the grain complex. Unfortunately, when you flip the page and you look at the livestock, some negativity is taking place in those numbers. A lot of not only outside market influences taking place, but some stuff happening just in country as well. We're going to take a look at that and all the issues today in the trade with Arlen Suderman. He joins us with Stonex. And I think it's kind of the elephant in the room. Everybody has been watching social media for this hurricane path and some of the initials i was saying they were seeing they're like less than two miles per hour to be made to a category five in some areas so that's got to put some added stress on this trade yeah it really does this is a powerful hurricane um and certainly a problem for the areas that it's going to be impacting as as we look at it it's it's coming on to shore in the west coast of florida a little bit further south than what was initially in indicated um that means that it's going to hit some major citrus producing areas so think of orange juice uh um, think of uh fresh oranges uh tangerines grapefruit that type of thing if you look at um uh, the top five counties produce 70 percent of florida citrus the hurricane's going to hit four of those five counties so that's a significant hit there and then it's going to cross over Florida into the Atlantic Ocean again and then come back up into probably somewhere in South Carolina up into North Carolina. That means it's going to miss a lot of key cotton production areas. So that's good because cotton's taken enough of a hit this year. It is going to hit some soybean producing areas, probably encompassing about 5% of the soybean crop. Uh, as you notice today, the soybean market really wasn't too worried about that. Uh, it's got other factors to be concerned about. Uh, but in the end, all those bushels do count and do matter. Um, so it's something we're going to be keeping our eyes on. There's major phosphate production there. It's phosphate fertilizer production area near Tampa. And we were originally worried about what long-term damage the hurricane could do to that. It looks at this time, we're cautiously optimistic, like it's going to go far enough to the south and the east, that while we may see some significant rains in that area, and we'll have to watch to see if that creates some problems, uh, we may see some power outage problems that will take some time to recover. Uh, but overall, we think, think we'll be able to escape without any major um, supply problems um, longer term. And, and that's certainly some good news considering what we've been seeing in fertilizer prices and over the last year. So looking at, uh, obviously, there's a lot of what ifs that we're not going to know as this hurricane continues to move through. I'm sure there's a lot of farmers out there trying to get the harvest out as quickly as they can in some of those affected areas, just trying to save some crops. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and we have generally favorable weather, and we can thank Hurricane Ian for that in some extent, because when you see a major hurricane like that in the Gulf and in the southeast, that tends to change the atmosphere and give us more of a dominant high pressure here in the Midwest. And so that's helping give us kind of this... Uh, this drier climate right now for drying down the crops, uh, which isn't necessarily good for some of the later crops to fill kernel size, but the dry down certainly does help with the harvest, bringing the harvest on quickly and allowing us to move through and get things done. Did we see some stabilization maybe happening a bit in the dollar index today? 
We did, and some of that has to do with the fact of profit-taking when we went to new 20-year highs overnight. And some, a lot of it has to do also with uh, change in policy in Great Britain. Um, the British pound is part of the dollar index, along with the euro and the Japanese yen and a couple of others. Um, and the British pound had plummeted to record lows, helping push the dollar even higher earlier this week. Uh, and uh, then, and part of that was because of lack of loss of confidence in the British pound, as we had monetary policy trying to tighten in order to fight inflation, like what we're doing here in the United States, but fiscal policy changing to a massive stimulus program um, going in the opposite direction of monetary policy and a little bit like what we're doing here in the United States as well, only to a greater extent. And so the central bank flipped today and inserted increasing stimulus once again. So they were on the same page with fiscal policy. That stabilized the British pound, helped the dollar put in a near-term high. I don't think we've put in a longer-term high. I think this is just near-term um, and um, helped stabilize things a little bit. But they're going to pay a deeper price in the long run as a result now. Speaking of stabilization, I understand there was a little bit of unrest or rumored unrest going on in China. Yeah, absolutely. Over the weekend, uh, Twitter was just alive with uh, rumors that there had been a coup in China, and we quickly checked with our boots on the ground in China, and there simply wasn't any evidence that that was the case. A couple of things that were highlighted, one was that 60% of the domestic flights had been canceled and that there was a mass movement of military toward Beijing. Well, the military movement toward Beijing is typical, normal for what you see ahead of the meeting of Congress uh, when their Congress meets in order to reappoint their president, uh, Xi Jinping. Uh, That's just normal movement in the military. And when you look at the flights being canceled, that's all relative to what we're seeing in, in lack of ridership because of COVID. Uh, there's such a disincentive right now in order to uh, go anywhere because of COVID restrictions and quarantines, etc. People aren't flying empty planes, so they're canceling planes over the time. So Xi Jinping appeared again today, appears to be fully in control right now as we move into that 20th Congress. All right, well, stick around, folks. we got a lot more coming up as we continue here with the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We're going to talk about what's been going on in Ukraine's uh, nuclear threats. How about some barge freight? Uh, how is that going to be affecting what we see moving forward with this harvest that is underway? And how are the crops growing? How are they looking as we look to our neighbors to the south? More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for the Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We caught up with new dealer Preston Smith from PJ Smith Seeds, who co-owns his business with his wife, Jana, in northeastern Phelps County. So, Preston, tell us about how you got started. We got started with Fontenelle in part for the excellent products that we saw out in the field, but also because of the great people within the brand. Everyone is so supportive and will do anything to help you succeed as a dealer which in the end helps the customer succeed. Well, you did a lot of research. Tell us how you decided on Fontenelle. I really like the focus on Nebraska and, and products that work locally. As I started to make contact, I just really felt at home with everybody that I met within the brand. And I know you hear the, the Fontenelle family get used a lot, but that's really what it is. It, it truly does feel like a family. If you'd like to join our Fontenelle family and become a dealer, 
Just contact us from the website at Fontanelle.com. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation with Arlen Suderman with StoneX. And I guess the other uh, elephant in the room has been what's happening in the tension that continues to build between Ukraine and Russia. Yeah, that, that that's something that's going to continue to be a problem. Things aren't going well for Russia right now. Ukraine has been implementing a counteroffensive here over the last week or 10 days, and they've been taking territory back from Russia. And, and that doesn't go over well back home in Russia. And so President Putin knew that he needed to commit more troops other than the volunteer army that he's been using to this point. So he therefore quickly moved to try to have a some type of a sham of a referendum in, in the four oblasts that he said they could occupied. And they only occupied 60 to 65 percent of a couple of those. But yet they have reports of military going door to door asking people to vote. And, of course, at uh, gunpoint, which way are you going to vote? And uh, so the expectation here is in the next day or two that Russia will formally say that they're annexing those four regions. And then as Ukraine obviously isn't going to give up without a fight, they're going to try to reclaim that territory as they are doing now. And then Russia, Putin can say, oh, we're being attacked by Ukrainian forces and by NATO forces. And they've said that they can use all their resources available and have several times included the threat of nuclear weapons. And it, this really escalated on Tuesday in the wheat market and corn and soybeans as well, but especially the wheat market really popped mid-morning uh, when the headline came out that uh, the, the guy who's head of the Security Council in Russia said he didn't think that um, uh, the Americans and the Europeans would want to come into Europe um, and die in a, in a nuclear uh, disaster there in, in if they use their weapons there and uh, so that really made the market pop that that I would call it nuclear premium that went in the market initially kind of came back out again but we're seeing the continued strength and the expectation that we're going to see Russia put bring an end to the safe corridor passage of grain coming out of three ports out of Ukraine um, and so that's been helping bring a premium back into the soy, excuse me, into the wheat and the corn markets based on what's happening there. And, and generally, it, it, the war is not going well for President Putin. But President Putin's personality is not one that anyone expects him to just withdraw all the troops, say, okay, we give up, we lost. Uh, instead, we're worried about how far he might go to force a victory. What weapons might he use or how, you know, what steps might he take? And I think that's the fear in the marketplace and what impact that might have negatively on food and fertilizer coming out of that region and energy coming out of that region as we go through the winter months. How are things looking in South America? I know it's it's very dry in Argentina, but how are things going for Brazil? They're going very well. The big question is how would this La Nina shape the weather pattern in Brazil? And so far, the the monsoons have started right on time, actually started early. Um, typically, we don't see much soybean planting taking on until the last week of September, the first week of October. And we had some farmers in Meta Grasso 
planting as early as September 11th, although even though legally they weren't allowed to start until September 15th down there. Um, and they've been getting good rains, good moisture for, for bringing those beans up as well. And uh, I've been talking to a couple of brokers down there in our offices, and they've been sending me pictures of how good the beans look in a row so far. And if this weather pattern continues and holds, they'll be looking at a massive crop, almost a billion bushels bigger than last year. That's the big key question right now. And the weather models are in sharp disagreement whether they're going to hold. If you have a La Nina pattern, as we do, sometimes you can get a good start to the season and then it turns dry. Or sometimes it just just stays good, favorable, although Argentina would probably be dry. So that's yet unknown where we're going to go from here, but it's had a good start with, and that's kind of what's been hurting the ability of the soybean market to sustain gains lately. What about, uh, as we get ready to wrap this up, barge traffic and, and barge freight costs at this point? Is it holding pretty good? Yeah, it's been a real concern in Mississippi because we've been so dry over the last 30, 45 days. Uh, water levels on the Mississippi are really backing off and getting low in some areas. That's starting to affect the draft of these barges, and that means it takes more barges, takes more costs, um, and so it's being reflected in the freight rates of moving stuff down the river. All right. So a lot of great things today, Arlen. Best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com. Or over on Twitter, my handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. Well, that is today's Fontenelle final bell. As we always remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle final bell is being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network.